Sorry, and of course I'm messing around right now. I think I'm gonna share my other screen. Welcome to everyone joining the webinar. We will just get started in about another minute or so. Well, welcome to today's Journal Club webinar. Um, this is the first in a series of 10 webinars focused on Digitech and Nutrition, current research on the use of technology in nutrition education and behavior research and practice. Um, as the official peer-reviewed journal of the Society of Nutrition Education and Behavior, uh, the Journal of Nutrition Education and Behavior serves to advance nutrition education and behavior-related research, practice, and policy. Um, this spring journal club series was organized by our moderator, Dr. Kristen DeFilippo, is a teaching assistant professor at the University of Illinois, and she was assisted by the Ethne B. Digital Technology in Nutrition Education and Behavior Change Division. So a big thank you to them and to her for organizing this uh, spring's session. So to just to get started, I'll do a little housekeeping. Um, the chat is turned on if that is helpful to you. Um, I am going to drop today's uh, slides into the chat. Um, oh, I meant to say the transcript is turned on. So if that's helpful to you. And then the um, slides are being downloaded into the chat box. We will take questions at the end of the presentation, um, but I've also heard from our presenter that she has a few questions for you during the presentation. Uh, so keep your eye and you out for those and use the chat box um, to kind of encourage some dialogue during our webinar today. Um, we are recording today's session, so please watch for an email by Wednesday of this week with a link to the recording, uh, the handout, the CEU certificate that you're earning for your attendance today. Uh, when I close the webinar, there is a short survey, uh, so we appreciate your feedback on this session as well as, a, as always any ideas for future webinars. So I will turn things over to our moderator. Thank you, Rachel. 
Today, our speaker is Dr. Betsy Anderson-Steves. She is a senior research scientist at the Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition. She's a registered dietitian and holds a doctoral degree in public health from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She completed her master's in public health nutrition and dietetic internship at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. She is interested in community-based interventions to address food and nutrition insecurity, enhance health equity, and prevent nutrition-related chronic diseases among federal food program users. Today, she is going to be sharing about her work, um, WIC participants' perspectives about ordering or about online ordering and technology in the WIC program. I want to thank her for sharing her expertise with us, and at this point, I can pass it off to our speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Rachel, for having me. I am excited to be here and to share with you all today. Um, as said, my name is Betsy Anderson Steves. Um, I um, also should mention that I'm the um, chair elect of the Public Health Nutrition Division. So I'm excited to um, be engaged in this different aspect of, um, of the um, organization. And so I also want to just flag and apologize. Um, I When I, I signed up to present today, I didn't realize that it was President's Day and my children's school and daycare would be closed today. So hopefully there won't be any interruptions, but um, if a little face pops into the screen, I will handle it quickly and try to get back. But I feel like, you know, that's uh, that's working working remotely these days. So um, appreciate any patience um, with that if it happens. And so to get us started today, um, I do get to present about our article called WIC Participants Perspectives about online ordering and technology in the WIC program. I want to um, fully acknowledge the team that was a part of this project. Um, and so the lead author on this was a student of mine at the time. Um, prior to transitioning to the Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition, I spent seven years as a faculty member at the University of Tennessee, and that's where this research was conducted. Um, and so the lead author is Megan Zimmer. She um, was an MPH student at the time um, and is now a PhD student. And so um, a really lead person in this as well as Jacob Baird. He was uh, a nutrition student at the time um, and also was incredible support to this project. Um, and I served as the senior author. We did receive, just in the way of disclosures, we did receive some internal funding from the University of Tennessee to support this project. Um, and, and so let's get started with our agenda for today. Um, I provided my welcome, um, but I'd love to get a little bit more information about the folks in the room, Zoom room today. So we'll do a little bit by way of introduction, and I'll have a couple questions for you to help me kind of think through how to frame this discussion as we get going. I'll give you some background about WIC um, and online shopping and just the WIC experience. Uh, we'll go through a quick overview of our paper, which was actually a research brief um, in the work that we did. Um, and then I have a few updates about kind of WIC online shopping. Um, this, this, since this project and this paper was published, there's been just a lot of movement in this space. So I feel like I really wanted to frame our discussion today around, um, you know, what the exciting things that have happened since then. And then I'm also, um, we're looking forward to your questions and um, seeing your thoughts and perspectives on this. So 
with that, um, let's get started. Um, and so thank you so much for joining today. Um, I appreciate everyone taking the time to be here um, and talk about this paper. So I'd love to, I, I went really low tech today. Um, so I'd love for the folks in the audience to enter into their chat. I've got a couple of questions here and I've got the chat up, so I'll, I'll see what you enter. Um, but if you could start by entering your name and organization, I would love to know kind of who is in the room and where you are from. So I'll give you a minute to, to type that in. So people are saying the chat is disabled, but I am seeing some answers coming through in the question and answer box. Perfect. All right. Well, this is public. Uh, yeah, like I said, I come from public health nutrition. We're all nutrition education. So we know that when, when our, our education um, that we try to implement is not going as planned, we can modify, modify on the fly. So if you thank you for plugging things into uh, the chat that or the Q&A, that's perfect. So it looks like we've got some university um, affiliated folks, some extension folks. Oh, Family Cook Productions. Man. All right. My next question for you all um, is, is, is about WIC and your familiar, familiarity with WIC. Um, and, and that's how, gonna help me frame how much I share at the beginning here. So I've got three answer choice or four answer choices for you today. You can also do the same and type them into the Q&A and say, we, based on what you, uh, your experiences with WIC, um, are you in the frames of going, what is WIC? <laughs> So very basic understanding or or not maybe not even knowing what it is. Um, that would be answer choice A. Type in B if you know what it is, but not much about it. C if you're pretty knowledgeable. Um, and D if you, you know, if your career has been in WIC, you know all about it. You probably know more than I do. You can go ahead and answer that into the QA. Okay, awesome. C, pretty knowledgeable. All right, and as those come in, I'm gonna put up our last um, question that I have for you, which is um, just related to um, online shopping. And so you can free text whatever you feel like is appropriate for um, a response with your experience with online shopping. Are you familiar with it? Do you work in that space? Um, unfamiliar with it?
do it yourself, but maybe not professionally work in that space. Right. All right, we've got some love it, some not at all, um, some people who are pretty new. So this is great. This means that we've got a pretty, um, and I see that the chat is working now. So thanks for um, being able to, to modify that on the fly there. So we use some people who use it per personally, but not professionally. Um, a mixed bag with WIC shop or familiarity with WIC. Awesome. All right. Um, and so we'll quickly go through an introduction to WIC because I just think that that helps frame um, this paper and some of the challenges not challenges, but some of the special considerations as we think about online shopping with WIC. Um, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this paper. So for the folks on the call who, who fall into that category of um, not knowing much <laughs> that what is WIC category. Um, WIC is one of our federal assistance programs. It provides um, nutrition education, breastfeeding support, referrals for healthcare, as well as like other social services. Um, and really in the context in which that I research WIC or think about WIC, it provides a nutritious supplemental food package. Um, the folks who are eligible for WIC are um, income eligible, which means that they um, aren't quite as uh, low income as individuals who participate in SNAP, but they have an income eligibility, which is less than 185% of the federal poverty level. They'd be individuals who are pregnant, breastfeeding, and postpartum up to, the, um, up to a year after birth. And then infants and children up to the age of five. And the other thing about WIC um, is that to qualify, you have to be at nutritional risk. Um, but with that nutritional risk, um, it's pretty broad. And so I don't think that that is a huge barrier for individuals who are um, participating that usually those folks have, have one uh, or more nutritional risk that will let them participate in the program. The other thing that we know about WIC is that um, is that it really works and it works well. It's one of our programs that um, has so many benefits. This is a, an, a, an infographic from FRAC um, who just highlights some of the benefits um, that it, it, WIC has been proven to reduce food insecurity, um, have economic benefits through alleviation of poverty, um, promoting economic stability as, you know, some of the anti-poverty benefits, but it also improves dietary intake, supports healthy growth, um, and uh, reduces healthcare costs, improves health outcomes for, for both mom and baby. Um, and then also interestingly, in the um, food environment space is that there's some really pretty strict requirements for stores who accept WIC benefits. And so it can have the actual benefit of not just the mom and the babies and uh, the kiddos who are enrolled, but it can improve the retail environment or the healthy food available in a community. Um, and WIC is one of our programs that we know um, has a return on investment. So for funds that are um, invested in WIC, there is healthcare savings associated with it. 
Um, and so I could go on all day about the benefits of WIC, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about who WIC serves. And so when we think about who WIC serves, I told you the, the basics of who's eligible for WIC, but when we think about what that applies to the real world, we know that WIC has more than 6 million participants. Um, and so it's... Um, and interesting, and it's all across the U.S., so all 50 states, um, there are 55 tribal organizations um, that also participate or administer WIC and our five territories. So available uh, in theory across the United States, whether that's accessible to folks, that might be a little bit different question. And we know that um, it reaches a lot of our youngest babies. So close to half of all of the infants in the United States are um, have, have a connection with WIC and, uh, or are on WIC at some point. We also know that WIC has its challenges because for those 6 million participants that it has, there's another 6 million who are eligible who do not participate in WIC. Um, and so um, so doing some great work, we know that there's great benefits and great outcomes, but also a huge part of the WIC eligible population that aren't being reached. And so there's been a lot of thought and research done um, related to why people aren't participating in WIC. Um, and, and I've got a few on this slide here. Um, some of that is related to a misunderstanding of the WIC program and the WIC eligibility requirements. Um, WIC is one of those programs, um, not unlike our other federal programs where it's not, um, families might be a little unsure if they can participate and might not um, actually even try because of that. Um, WIC does have some, um, a, a good amount of in-person appointments required, and this is pre-pandemic. Obviously, we're seeing some big changes um, happening throughout the pandemic, but traditionally WIC had been a largely in-person program, um, which has great benefits. There's great relationships between WIC staff and WIC participants, but it also is challenging. That creates some challenges and that um, families would have to take time off to get to WIC um, appointments. They might have transportation barriers, as we know, populations that are, use our federal food programs do. Um, oftentimes, if a child, a child is the participant on WIC, then that child would have to go to the appointment. So it might be taking kids out of daycare or out of school um, to navigate that WIC appointment. And there can be some long wait times um, at those appointments. And so um, another aspect of it, which um, is is that there has been reported um, a difficulty with the WIC shopping experience. Um, and so with the WIC food package, we know that it has um, really great benefits. And I'll talk a little bit more about the WIC food package for folks who aren't that familiar with WIC in just a second, but it's very specific. Um, so we know that our SNAP food package is a dollar allotment, right? So that individuals who are participating in SNAP get um, a certain amount of money on their um, or SNAP EBT card every month, and they can go use that for food items um, at the at the grocery store or other places. Whereas WIC is going to be a food benefit package or prescription, so there's going to be specific items um, that are nutritionally balanced that go into the WIC food package. Um, and so it's a little bit different, right? So um, there's specific brands that they, folks might have to check. Uh, or purchase with WIC. And so it's 
sometimes difficult navigating that shopping experience to um, find that eligible item, make sure that it all is still part of your benefits. And we've heard a lot of issues around that, particularly at the checkout where families um, do their due diligence to, to pick their WIC items, get to the checkout, um, and maybe something doesn't ring appropriately. And then they're stuck at either leaving it off their order or going back and there's kind of a wait time. And, and so you can imagine that there's just some um, feelings of discomfort at that um, checkout experience for WIC families. So we know, I really like this infographic or this graphic here on the screen that is from um, Code for America who did some work in the space of looking at barriers to WIC utilization. And they say that there's tons of value to WIC through the, the services and supports that it provides and those relationships that it can develop, but there's challenges, right? Um, and so, some of that gaps in utilization might be that, that trade-off that we see um, between the benefits and challenges. And as I mentioned, um, here is the WIC food package because I wanted to, to share this because if we think about the WIC shopping experience and, and translating it to online spaces, um, this becomes particularly unique to think about. And so um, the WIC food package is based on science. It's, it's from uh, taken from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine um, guidance for participants. Um, it's unique to each participant category. So that means that pregnant women have a specific food package, our breastfeeding moms versus our non-breastfeeding individuals, um, and then our, our infants and children at different age categories all have unique um, food packages that are geared toward their specific needs. Um, but again, it's not made up of a dollar amount except for fruits and vegetables. Um, it's made up of items. So you would get so many gallons of milk, so many um, uh, either cans or packages of beans and that sort of thing. Um, and so that's just a, a unique thing to think about. And so my next slide, I also am going to talk just a little bit about the WIC shopping experience, which I've talked a little bit about already, but um, really helping think about this as we move into our article, which is thinking about online shopping and technology in WIC. And so um, with WIC, um, I, I'm pretty sure that everybody, all of our WIC agencies now are using an EBT or electronic benefit card, which means that the WIC benefits for, um, for a family, whether it's an individual that's on um, WIC or you know, multiple individuals with a household, say a postpartum mom and an infant, would get loaded onto that benefit card. Um, this is an example of what it looks like from the Washington um, WIC. Um, and, and that's a slight change. It's actually been a change that's been a long time coming, um, but also really recent for some of our WIC agencies. Historically, it had been a paper, a paper benefit where there would be a voucher um, that said so many gallons of milk or so many um, cans of beans or whatever that the individuals would take to a card. So already some movement in tech digital technology within WIC um, here and that it's transitioned to, um, to a WIC EBT card. Now, some of our state agencies, I think Texas, for example, have been doing this for over a decade, um, but some have been um, just transitioned onto the WIC card more recently. 
So, so that's where the majority of the country is now. You get your benefits on um, your WIC card. You are able to go to the store um, and, and look for those items. So I love this picture of this mama here. She's got her babies, uh, her kiddos with her. Um, she's got what looks like a brochure with maybe helping her find her WIC foods. Um, and then also I have the, um, the little shelf tag there where you can see that there is guidance in stores, but it's really hard to see. That's that orange block um, that says that that food um, that is tagged next to is a WIC food. Um, there has been, again, some, some technology movement in this space where um, some states, not all states, have um, started to use a WIC app or a WIC shopper app where um, there's some technology that can come in there, right? So this app might help um, individuals look at their benefits that might um, help them. They can scan barcodes to see if a WIC product is eligible. And so some cool advances happening recently, um, but you know, it's still a, still a challenge. Um, and I joke because both of these moms in these pictures look so calm and collected. Um, I, as I mentioned before, I've got young kiddos. I've got three kiddos that are under the age of six, and this is not how I look when I go to the grocery store with them. Um, I like, I feel like one of my kids is always crying. One is probably picking up things that they are putting in the cart that they shouldn't, um, or that, you know, that I, I'm not going to purchase. And so, and then one is probably wandered off. So, um, I feel like that, uh, that this is a, a good, um, estimation of the WIC shopping experience, but it might not be what it's really like to shop with um, kiddos and thinking about all the other things that you have to think about with WIC shopping um, in the reality of that context. And so, and then um, then you get to check out and, and hopefully everything that you picked up is part of your benefits package um, that it goes through with the register um, and, and that you can check out very easily. But like I said before, that's not always the case. Um, and so that's an overview of the WIC, WIC shopping experience. Um, and so you can see there lots of technology has improved over the last um, several months, but there's some really interesting opportunities to, to do that further. So for example, the um, uh, online ordering, which is what we explored in this study or what we were interested in in this study. And so just to move on to the methods of our study, um, we uh, this first slide is going to talk a little bit about timing because I think that's incredibly important within the context of this project. Um, and so this, the data was collected for the study between April and October 2019. So at this point, my research team at the University of Tennessee was interested in online ordering with WIC. But if you think about just, you know, that's less than four years ago, but a lifetime ago since the pandemic has happened. Um, it's also a lifetime ago in the context of online shopping, right? Um, really at that point, um, so there were some people who were using online shopping, but it wasn't as um, ubiquitous as it is today, or really thinking about the volumes of, of people who are shopping online. Um, so I really wanna make sure that we, we've kind of focused that this is pre-pandemic. Um, other than that, our participants for this study um, had to be individuals who had a WIC participant in their household. So that could be um, the pregnant or postpartum individual, but it also could have been if they've got a, um, a 
an infant or a child on WIC. They had to be 18 years of age or older. They had to be, um, we wanted to interview the primary shopper for the household. So that person who is going to the, um, to the store or using the WIC benefits. Um, they had to be English speaking, which was, you know, a limitation of our study that we didn't have anybody on our team who could accommodate Spanish speaking. And so unfortunately that had to be an eligibility criteria. And of course, um, this study was approved by the IRB at the University of Tennessee. So individuals who um, were participating had to provide consent for participation. And so our data collection methods, we did semi-structured phone interviews. Um, and so we, as I said, this, um, this was a project that we were thinking about online ordering, right? And so we wanted to get some formative work around where people are thinking about online um, ordering with WIC. Um, and, and so a, a, a nice study just to get people's perspective um, is, is what we conducted here. So semi-structured phone interviews, we collected data until we reached saturation, which just means that we weren't hearing new themes from the, or new information from um, the individuals who we were talking with. Um, and, and then we also did some confirmation after that saturation was reached. So we did 21 interviews and felt like Yep, we're, we've got the information that we're we're seeking here. We're not hearing new things, and confirmed that with a couple extra interviews. We audio recorded and transcribed um, our interviews verbatim, so we had the audio recording as well as a verbatim transcript of the interview, um, and then um, wanted to make sure that we we appreciated these families for their time. Um, you know, they are busy. They've got young children at home or young children on the way. Um, and so everybody received a $25 um, gift card for their time. And the interviews lasted um, about 45 minutes. We asked a, about a few different categories. You can see um, this is a table from the paper that, um, that talks about the types of questions that we asked or the types of questions um, we included in that phone interview guide. Um, we asked about kind of food shopping in general, how people, um, how they typically shopped for food just to get context and get comfortable um, in the interview. Um, and, and also asked about how they think about preparing for food shopping. Knowing we were interested in online ordering, we asked about that. We asked about their thoughts about online shopping in general. Um, really at this point, again, people had kind of a mixed bag of, of their interest and comfort in online shopping. And so we talked, you know, initially about ordering other things online. Were they shopping online at Amazon? Um, were they, you know, were they shopping online for food? And I would say um, the majority, when we heard from this, um, had some comfort with shopping online, but weren't shopping online for food at this time. We also asked them about what their ideal online shopping would look like if they were able to, to shop for food, something that continually comes up in this online shopping literature with our federal food program users. We talked about delivery fees and some of those other barriers that might um, be a challenge for them to, um, to actually go through with the process. Um, and, and then we also 
asked about the WIC program, any other technology that they might be interested in seeing in the WIC program. And then something we added on later was just kind of more general technology questions um, because we found that people were inherently talking about it during the interviews without us asking. And so um, they were they were providing lots of information about how they integrate technology into their general shopping experience, even if they don't shop online. Um, and so I've got some some themes about that. And we added a question in that after the fact. Um, and so those were the main kind of information categories that we were looking to capture. When we did our data analysis, um, this study was based on grounded theory. Um, and so with that, just kind of a, a quick highlight of grounded theory. Um, it, means that we didn't, we tried not to come into this with a priori um, uh, kind of hypotheses about what people would say. We really wanted to be open to it and, um, and have the data drive our conclusions um, and where we went from here. And so with grounded theory, the goal is to generate a theory from that data. It's an iterative process, which means that we um, very much throughout the process of our code book, or our interview guide, our data collection, our data analysis, we're um, meeting regularly, discussing what we were learning, and then um, adapting as we were going to make sure that we were really um, aligning what we were doing with the research that we questions that we wanted to answer. Um, another aspect of grounded theory is that we do concurrent data collection and data analysis. So we would do some interviews. Um, look at the data that we were receiving, maybe do some preliminary coding there and um, look back to see if we wanted to change our data collection at all. And that's how we added that additional question about kind of technology outside of online ordering um, in that process. So that was our, our approach using grounded theory. We did um, code book development with the, the research team using line by line inductive open coding. Um, and so really just kind of looked at a granular level, what people were saying, we met and discussed, and then kind of brought up these larger um, codes that we thought would be applied across all of the transcripts after doing that process with a couple of really information rich transcripts. And we created a coding protocol that all coders would be using. We applied the codes um, using the Invivo 12.0 software. Um, the two members, uh, student members of the research team double coded all transcripts. I met with them regularly and, um, and discussed the, um, the theme themes that they thought were emerging, also kind of talked through any issues that they had with coding or um, questions that they had along the way. And so with that, as we um, head into our results here, um, just a little bit about what our sample looked like. In the end, we had um, 23 participants. So as I said, around 21, we felt like we had saturation and then added a couple in, in just to confirm that. Um, and our participant sample, it was 96% female um, and 74% uh, non-Hispanic white. Um, and I mentioned that because, um, you know, that's a very different sample than what, you know, across the United States looks like. However, for East Tennessee, where we are located and where we are with the University of Tennessee, we are actually in Appalachia. And so that's pretty um, consistent with our overall population of what East Tennessee looks like. Um, we'd love to have a more diverse sample, but um, want to make sure that that is um, considered as we talk about the results that we had. 
our um, families that we talked to, the individual is typically about 32 years old. They had spent about six years on WIC. So these are people who are pretty experienced with the WIC process. About half of them were also participating in SNAP and about four uh, people per household. That's not participants per household, but that's four people per household. And so when we talked to them about online shopping, um, as we found that overall people were uh, were interested. The vast majority were interested and, and could see how um, it could be beneficial in their life. Um, often this was around convenience, transportation, costs, uh, time savings. And so the, the quote you see here is uh, from a white 27-year-old female participant who said it would just make things easier. A lot of things um, would make my life a bit easier. So talk, I've got one vehicle between me, my husband, my parents, I've got to figure out how to get everyone everywhere and just having time. That's just 30 minutes. I don't have to spend at the grocery store. I can pull up and have them bring my stuff out and be gone. So um, I think that as a very clear message and encompasses a lot of what we heard. It helps with time. It helps with transportation. Um, it's something that just kind of makes that thought process around being at the grocery store a little bit easier for families who have a lot going on. Um, it is important to note, however, that we had a small subset of our participants of less than 25%. There was about six total who um, were not that interested in online shopping. Um, and when we heard this around um, folks you know, obviously we started to kind of ask questions about what they preferred about in-store shopping. And the two things that we heard mainly were um, things that are consistent with the rest of the literature around online shopping. People were a little bit hesitant to let other people pick out their food, particularly around produce and, um, and meat products. And then also, um, and so I think you can definitely see that in the, um, and the quote there. So the quote says, I like to look for certain things. I want my vegetables to be good and fresh. I want my fruits to be good and fresh. Um, and sometimes the store might not grab the freshest item. They may just grab whatever. So I would not shop online because I like to pick out my own items. Um, and so if you're familiar with the online shopping space, or maybe if you online shop yourself, you might have some of these feelings when you unpack your grocery bags and you're like, what? Do they even look at this before they stuck it in the bag? Um, and so so that was a common theme that we heard among folks who were not as interested. The other thing um, that we heard, and um, and we haven't heard this as much in other, um, other contexts, so this might be a unique aspect of the population that we had participating in our study was that um, individuals talked about the social aspects of going to the store and how they enjoyed the shopping trip, right? So they might um, see other people that they knew, Maybe it was a, if it was a mom with an infant at home, that was an opportunity to get out and see other people. Um, and so that social aspect or enjoying the shopping experience themselves was one thing that we also heard in addition to just kind of the fear um, or the pushback against of having someone else uh, select their items for them. We also asked for talking about online ordering. Um, we talked about um, some aspects of that. Um, and so 
individuals overall were very interested in delivery, but they also thought curbside pickup was a good option. So for delivery, they said, um, one of our participants said, a home delivery would be great. I don't even have to leave the house or find a babysitter or find a ride or anything. Um, and then um, the curbside pickup option, so I think we can all relate to that delivery, but the curbside pickup option was also a strong option. Um, and so this person saying, um, I'd love the delivery option, but even an in-store pickup would be great. Just not having to get, um, not having to get my child out of the van would be great. Um, and so as a, like I said, I'm a mom with young kids, keeping everyone in the car, in their car seat, not having to deal with that. Um, I, I get that. That's very appealing to, um, to keep that. Um, and time saving to see that. And so that is also consistent with the literature. There is a group um, out of California led by Lorraine Ritchie, um, who did some surveying around um, multiple states around online interest in online shopping. Um, and there was strong in interest in both delivery and curbside pickup with even curbside pickup eclipsing delivery um, at, to a certain extent there. And so the other thing that we often talk about when we talk about these, um, these different online ordering me methodologies is fees, right? So what do, particularly for our federal food program users, um, you know, how is that going to sit that extra cost? And so our participants were generally okay with fees, um, and, and, but they wanted it to be a little bit lower. So somewhere between $2 and $5 seemed to be the sweet spot. And I love this participant who was very specific about their $2.95. And so, um, and this person saying, if I have to go in and pay for it and I have to pick it up, then I don't think there should be a convenience fee. If they bring it to me and I paid for it online, then maybe $2.95. And so that was also the consensus of like, if it's a service where it might be the curbside pickup or delivery, um, then people were willing to pay a small fee. Um, whereas if individuals had to could place an order online and had to go actually into the store to, to pick it up or to use their WIC card, they really didn't feel like that was, um, you know, if you have to unbuckle the kids from the car, go into the store, then you might as well just shop for yourself. They didn't feel like that was that much of an added convenience. Um, and so some other things that they were predicting and changing the shopping experience um, of like, you know, if you could order online, what uh, what else would change for you? People talked about fewer impulse buys. This is, again, consistent with the literature um, of people saying that they use less impulse purchases um, online. And so our participant here says, I'd probably get less impulse buys. Um, like what is like, oh, look at that sale or look at this, um, those things that we all throw in our cart when we're actually in the store. People also perceived it to be less stressful. And again, this is thinking around that convenience. I wouldn't have to find a babysitter. I wouldn't have to stress about the lines at the grocery store or find my way to the grocery store because my car isn't working right now. Um, and so again, some of that convenience and logistics was um, clearly part of the stress that people perceived would, would dissipate as they could shop online. Um, some other technology that we heard, um, as I said, people started talking about just kind of other technology that they are using with online shopping. I love the, the things that they talked about here because these aren't, you know, really elaborate technology pieces. These are pretty um, everyday technology pieces, but can make the shopping experience um, 
a little bit easier. So we, we heard a lot about online shopping for non-WIC groceries or other food items that people were exploring this space um, in other areas of their lives when they didn't think that WIC online shopping was an option. Um, they talked a lot about using digital coupons from retailers, downloading to their those to their phone in preparation for a shopping strip, trip. Um, and they talked about using their smartphones for um, making grocery lists and kind of preparing for that grocery experience, whether it's um, a list on the notes app in their phone or text message, texting themselves or text messaging other, other members of their family to um, add in grocery items. And so um, this quote on the slide, you see the person saying, I've got an iPhone. If there's a few things I'm going to need, I'll try to make a note, you know, and I can make that note and add my husband to it. So he can go there and add something um, that he knows that we need. So really kind of that collaboration around making a digital list and being able to grab those things at the store. And they also talked about other technology in WIC. And so this was the question that we added as we um, heard people talk about things um, just inherently throughout the process. And so we also, you know, just as a reminder from the beginning um, or kind of introduction is that there was all these different kind of um, technological advantages that were happening in WIC. The transitioning from the paper vouchers to the EBT card, bringing the um, WIC app online um, and giving that access, accessibility to individuals. And so um, we generally find across the board that WIC participants are, um, are open to technology and interested in technology. And so here are some other suggestions that they had for technology and WIC. Um, online nutrition education. So instead of having to go in person for that, um, thinking about online options. And I think that we are clearly in the space where that's being offered now. Um, they talked a lot about text messaging. So text messaging based breastfeeding, peer counseling, re receiving text messages about benefits would be things that they were interested in. Um, talked a lot about social media support groups, so maybe um, moms groups or um, groups for breastfeeding or things like that, where they could see um, different social media platforms being a place to connect with other um, individuals as well as to connect with their WIC office. And then at the time that we were doing this study back in 2019, Tennessee had uh, what did not have a WIC app um, or a WIC shopper app available to our participants. And so that was something that they were interested in um, having. And it actually has since been established in Tennessee that we now have the WIC shopper app. And so just to kind of wrap up and, and discuss our findings here, our WIC participants, as I mentioned, are generally um, open to technology different driven changes. Um, in our study, we found that generally we're viewing online shopping positively, but had some mixed feelings, which is similar to what we've seen in SNAP adoption for online shopping. Um, and again, just a reminder that this study happened before COVID. And so online shopping services, the fees associated with them, our usage of it um, is very different now. And so I think that's important context as we think about the findings of this study. And so I'm going to take the last couple minutes that I have to present um, on some technology updates, particularly related to online shopping. And then I'd love to hear y'all's feedback um, and thoughts about our study or else um, anything that you all are working on within this space. And so um, 
we know that as part of the American Rescue Plan Act or um, ARPA, there has been a, a significant amount of funding um, dedicated to WIC. I believe it's um, $390 million. And a lot of that is going to this WIC, what they're calling WIC modernization and innovation. Um, and so this is really exciting to see some accelerated changes around this space. There's kind of four big broad categories that USDA is investing in. Um, and one of those categories is um, the WIC shopping experience with an emphasis that shopping should be simple and convenient. Um, and thankfully within that context, and so if you go, if you want to learn more about this and aren't that familiar with WIC, if you go to um, the website that I have here, it's also in the, the slides that you received. Um, these are live links. And so you could click on that shopping experience and learn more or the, sh the shopping icon and learn more. Um, and so with the, in that, um, USDA is actually funding um, different areas of the WIC shopping experience, expanding access to farmers markets, um, improving in-store shopping, and expanding to online. So this is happening, um, which is really exciting to see, you know, our participants' interest and then USDA taking action um, in, in making that happen. And so, and this is actually hot off the presses that there's um, additional movement in this area. So this, if, I don't know if you can see the date here, but this was as of Friday that USDA sent out a press release um, on proposing to streamline and modernize WIC um, and offer online shopping to participants. And so if you are interested in working in this space or working with WIC or working with online shopping, um, I've got the link um, to the comment period. And so it's asking the USDA is inviting comments for WIC online shopping. Um, and so the comment period hasn't quite opened yet, um, but encouraging everyone, um, particularly in the organization to, to get in there um, and make sure that our voices are heard because we know that um, others will, will do the same. Um, and so making sure that that's grounded in good nutrition and um, theory. And so, so we're seeing, in a, in along with that interest in online shopping, um, what I, I didn't mention on the last slide was that there's a lot of regulatory hurdles or just kind of programmatically structured um, things that need to be adapted in WIC to get really um, uh, online ordering up and running. And so we're still seeing that too. Um, and, and so USDA is removing regulatory barriers. Again, here is if you really want to get into the weeds of online ordering with WIC, um, you can look at all of these different live links about how they are opening that door. Um, I'm going to leave it at that um, kind of high level um, here for the purpose of this. But again, just another example of how within the last few weeks or even within the last few days, USDA is really bringing this um, to light to the forefront of um, a possibility for our WIC shoppers. And so with that, um, I'm gonna stop there, say a huge thank you for listening to me. And, and thankfully um, the there were no kiddo inter interruptions and I can um, welcome any questions that you all have. Thank you so much, Dr. Steves, for sharing with us. If people have questions, please place those into the Q&A box. I would be happy to moderate those out to our presenter. Uh, one question that I had, and I know um, it's always interesting looking back how things change. 
Is there any plans to look at um, redoing this and seeing what changes have happened since COVID and since the people have become more familiar with online shopping? Yeah, so that is um, a great question. Um, there, well, luckily, there's lots of really great teams who are looking at this and interested in it. Um, and I will say that my life has changed a little bit um, and that um, I am no longer with the University of Tennessee. And so that um, the ability to replicate the study as it was um, is, is not for me, but I would love to work with people who are interested. Um, and I'd be happy to share all of our materials from the study if people were interested in doing that. Um, I can share that in my new role at the Gretchen Swanson Center, we are actually um, working with the USDA um, and piloting some um, online shopping with WIC. And so we're definitely getting participants' voices as well as WIC staff voices as part of that to see kind of as we roll it out what, um, what people are thinking. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and we're getting comments, just it is a nice presentation. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise on, on all of this. Um, looking at uh, future work, future directions. What do you think the next step would be, or what research would you like to see? You would you like to see done in the future? Yeah. So I think um, I think there's just so many opportunities in um, in this space. Um, one is to really think through. Um, we recognize that individuals like the idea of online shopping. I think really seeing what it looks like. Um, and how it works is going to be an interesting process. And like I said, we're working on this. We've got pilot studies that are um, that the USDA is is sponsoring to be able to do that. Um, and then thinking about it in a variety of different contexts, right? So making sure that it works um, for our big retailers as well as I've I've had a long kind of career working with smaller retailers um, as well as with rural populations. And so making sure that it's um, it's a positive thing that can increase access across all different types of po uh, populations and all different types of retailers is going to be exciting next steps. The other thing that I've thought about a lot is, um, is that I think that, wow, we have, you know, we are, you know, we had the pre-pandemic where a few people kind of early adopters were shopping in line, online. We had the pandemic where a lot of people started to shop online and now we're still kind of oscillating to figure out like, what is this gonna look like in the general population? And so I think that'll be really interesting to see kind of where we land overall of like, do people like to shop online? Do people really prefer to pick up their, uh, pick out their produce? Is it some people are, going to be on either side of the fence. I, I'm really curious to see kind of as the dust settles where we'll find folks. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then another a question that's come in, if we wanted to work with WIC on a technology related project, would that need to be something that could be specific to a local WIC office or a state program, or should it be something coordinated at the national level? I would say, um, if you were interested in a WIC technology um, project, um, one, go to that the website that I sent because there's a lot of really great funding opportunities all across WIC right now um, from the USDA. Again, it's just kind of a unique time with that ARPA funding that's out there. So opportunities to, to really do this. Um, and I would say that working 
uh, reaching out at the state or local level is a great place to start um, to, to see kind of what, what, what's happening already. Um, and that the, the national level is, is coming on board, um, but a lot of a lot of that is all happening through the state and local agencies. Yeah, thank you. Um, another question. Um, one thing that some advocacy groups have raised about online shopping with WIC and SNAP is the risk of targeting targeted marketing on online platforms. Do you know if there's any potential to require marketing standards online for WIC approved retailers for online shopping? Yeah, that's a great question. That is definitely something um, that is is a big question out there for WIC, for SNAP, for regular shoppers as to kind of like what all of the, our digital footprint and that can really lead to kind of tailored marketing um, and the challenges that may cause. Um, and so um, that's not something in my work that I've considered other than like, hey, we need to be aware of this. Um, I think we're still working on like, let's get it up and going first and then figuring that out as well as I think that kind of online marketing and regulation is going to be a, a larger kind of conversation. Um, so incredibly important thing to flag. Unfortunately, we haven't um, tackled it within my work. So um, do you think that expanding WIC shopping to the online space would increase the amount of benefits participants are redeeming? Um, and for the most part, do WIC participants use all their benefits consistently? So that is a great question. We know that WIC benefits are, are not fully redeemed, right? So people don't consistently use all of their benefits. And so um, in a certain sense, that's like money left on the table. Um, but, uh, and so I think there is hope that there, that, you know, online shopping might be one of those things that helps make it more convenient to, um, to redeem the rest of those benefits and make that happen. Uh, we don't know yet though, right? I mean, there might be equal barriers or other barriers. Maybe people just don't use a certain part of the food package. Um, and so I think that's a hope, but, um, we'll, we'll see as more, states and agencies and people get, get, get the opportunity to shop online with WIC. Yeah. And did you break your data down into age groups and was there any evidence that one group would benefit more than another? That is, uh, that's a great question. Um, we did not within the context of this study, um, you know, I could easily see and in some other work that we've done with, uh, that I've done with online shopping with SNAP, we saw people talk about, you know, I could see this being a really great thing for seniors. And obviously there's a large percentage of grandparents who are, um, who are shopping with big benefits. Um, but our, within this study, our, our age group was pretty tight around that 30 um, years, 32 years. So there wasn't enough variation for us to do that here, but that would be a great opportunity to, um, to look and there, there kind of is a general consistent census in the online ordering space that there might be certain kind of life periods that might be really helpful to have online shopping or delivery of benefits, right? You know, seniors who have trouble getting out or would have trouble just kind of with the physical labor of online shopping, moms with young children, so you know, our WIC, um, or infants at home, that sort of thing. So, definitely a good, good thought and future research question. Well, I think that is all the questions we have. So I want to thank you again and pass it back to Rachel. 
Yes, thank you very much, Dr. Steve. And thank you to Steve, thank you to your family for letting us borrow you uh, for a little bit today. Uh, so when I close the webinar, please uh, give us your feedback um, on this session as well as ideas for future webinars. And there will be an email follow-up, um, should be, comes from Zoom, should be about within the next 48 hours um, with a link to the recording, your CEU certificate and the handout. Um, Journal Club is actually taking a two week break but there are two Monday webinars that SNEB has scheduled that you definitely want to check out on your calendar. Next Monday, um, we have Addressing Public Health Insecurity with Cultural Humility. Um, Dr. Steve's division is co-sponsoring that session. Um, and so we're looking forward to that presentation as well. And then we just put another webinar on the schedule this morning. Um, the journal committee's DEI committee is um, doing a webinar on gender identity reporting. Um, that's going to be Monday, March the 6th. So then we will be back for Journal Club on the 13th, um, but a couple excellent webinars on the schedule. And so be sure to go onto the SNEB website and register for those. And one last reminder that uh, the late breaking research deadline for conference is March 1st. Uh, we had 157 SNEB abstracts and also USDA um, researchers are returning to conference this year. So at the at the early deadline of February 14th, we had 157 SNEB and 18 USDA presentations. Um, but again, there, there's no penalty submit for the late breaking research. It's the same cost. Um, you'll still have a chance to revise and resubmit if needed. Um, so just if you have your research to, to share with SNEB this summer, be sure to uh, submit that by next week. And we will see you back again for another webinar. Thank you.